brand new ears. Oh, yeah. Your ears are quite new. Mm-hmm. Shiny new ears on that there shell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Super Duperstitious. The paranormal podcast that takes on the science behind the strange. And the real behind the hmm. But doesn't take on too much water because you drink beer the whole time, I suppose. Therefore, we are going to have some fun today. Cool. I'm Jake. And I'm Wyatt. And I'm sweaty. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I I re-listened to part of an episode recently where you put me on the spot mid-sentence to come up with part of the description. I bet I could one-up him on that. Nonsense. I live live for that spot. (laughs) Um... So yes, this is a show where we talk about cool spooky stuff and try and uh, understand it better through uh, our knowledge of the natural world. Mm-hmm. We both have backgrounds in science mm-hmm. and friendship, and we use both to achieve our goals. <laughs> we absolutely do. So before we get into what our premise is for this week, we do have a promo. We've been doing some promo swaps. Mm. Maybe that's how you found us in the first place. It's from promo swaps. So mm-hmm. this is the first uh, we have received of those promo swaps. It's from the podcast. That's weird. Oh, that's weird. It's a very cool, uh, cool show about similar kind of just strangeness, neat stories about creepy, odd things, including uh, in addition to the kind of stuff we cover, also things like disappearances and some occasional true crime things. So if you find that there's a dearth of that in this show, you can check out that show. Hosted by uh, Ashley and Christy. They're based in, I believe, Seattle and L.A., respectively. Ooh, very cool. And, uh, yeah, so here's that. Hey, Christy, what do we talk about on our podcast? Well, Ashley, we talk about all kinds of weird stuff. Like aliens. And ghosts. And cults. And cryptids. And witches. And murders. Yeah, even sometimes murders. Basically, we talk about all kinds of weird shit. Oh, I already said that. Oh. So, yeah, if you like weird topics, feminist rants, and the occasional F-bomb, you should listen to us. We post new episodes every other Weird Wednesday. Find us online at thatsweird.org. Listen to That's Weird on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on social media at That's Weirdcast. So, there you go. Definitely check them out. Give them a listen. Give them a subscribe. And, uh, very fun stuff. That's awesome. Uh, another thing I want to mention before we get started is, hey, if you've been listening to the show and you like it, maybe uh, maybe say so on Apple uh, Podcasts. Sla- slap iTunes us a little there. iTunes like, if you would. The artist formerly known as iTunes. <laughs> iTunes that was. <laughs> iTunes that will no longer be. Just share a few words of, uh, of appreciation or non-hatred, and it'll help us a lot. Yeah. Just say how much you don't hate the show. Exactly. <laughs> Without any other ado that I can think of, should we uh, talk about the premise for this week? I dare say we shall. The premise this week being conspiracy theories. <laughs> Jake, um, can I just talk to you for a second? Yeah, you go off mic. Did you, did you know that all of our fans are just my parents re-listening to the episode? That's what I think. How do they move their IP address all over the world like that? Oh, alien technology. That's very amazing. I think it's oh. alien technology. I appreciate that they're going the distance to try and make us feel better. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Actually, they just have homes on all the end. Oh every, all over the planet. <laughs> There's a lot of mouth sounds on my end when I talk quietly like this. You can just hear a lot of just general <laughs> smacking of <laughs> different parts that I'd prefer you didn't. Which makes me think we should get back to the show really yeah, quick. Get back to the show, okay. I so was yeah, just reminded about-, about the fact that it's episode 69. Oh, that's right. <laughs> For, somehow that, uh, the general just visceral sounds <laughs> yeah. involved made you think, yeah, what, what, a, what a neat episode for this to be. 
We're talking about conspiracy theories. We've done it before. We're going to keep doing it forever because there are so many of them. There's a ton. And I believe I'm leading off this week with my You are indeed. I had a specific topic in mind for today, which mm-hmm. I thought would be kind of an interesting direction to take the conspiracy prompt. Mm-hmm. I thought I could open with a specific example, which wasn't on its own a conspiracy, I thought, and then move on to broader, more general examples of similar incidents and people's reactions and how all of those then wove together into a kind of conspiracy network. Mm. So I thought it would be as straightforward as that. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. I don't think it could have been any simpler. It turns out it wasn't even... Yeah, it, it was. I was wrong about my whole thought of how this would go. I was wrong because of the particular example I was going to open with. I did not know that it wasn't the open and shut case I've always seen it as since it mm. happened 11 years ago. It turns out, eh, a lot of conspiracy there. Ooh. So today I will still talk generally about the topic I wanted to cover, but I'll be keeping it almost entirely within the confines of the one example I was planning to only touch on briefly. Mm. The overarching topic is what I was going to call the Creature Corpse Cover-Up Conspiracy. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, uh, um, the CCUC? Exactly. CCCUC, I should I, say. I think it's a CCC too, but it's... Just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the opening and now fully dominating example I was going to use is the Montauk Monster. Indeed. So you know about the Montauk Monster. I know about the Montauk Monster. We both probably thought, hey, that's what it is. Open and shut. Exactly. It's more than that, I guess. So I'll dig into what's weird about it that we didn't realize. Oh, I can't wait. It all began like every spooky tale on Long Island. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Mostly spooky pizza tales, I think. Yes, specifically it's in Montauk, hence the name of the thing, obviously. Mm -hmm. We talked about Montauk once before, way, way back in episode seven. Mm -hmm. It was our very first conspiracy outing, which is a fun time. You did the Philadelphia Experiment and the Montauk Project. I did the Dyatlov Pass incident. Uh, To be clear, the Montauk Monster is not at all related to the project of the same name, or at least I'm saying that it's not related Others may disagree. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's part of the fun of conspiracy yeah. theories. And besides, the creature supposedly summoned during that particular summoned. experiment, or uh, that produced through the uh, whatever oh, dimension. Oh, yes. Yeah, the that shaggy was, abomination. Yeah, or whatever. we established that, that was just Gossamer from Looney Tunes or possibly Sweetums from the Muppets. So exactly. Not the Montauk Monster, because he already no. has a name. <laughs> anyway, on July 23rd, 2008... 26-year-old Jenna Hewitt and three friends happened upon a body on the beach there in Montauk. Mm. It was kind of in rough shape, looking bruised and maybe burned. They did not want that bod. It was not a beach bod, for sure. <laughs> it had no fur, four legs with weird kind of clawish looking feet. It looked like a small, gross dog. Yeah, but it had kind fur. of a beak-shaped mouth. Yes, it did. So they took a picture. <gasps> Go on. Okay. <laughs> they took uh, this picture. That's right. And a second picture as well. It's a little bit closer up, a little slightly different angle. Resolution, so doesn't look great. Doesn't nope. look too happy, but you know, yeah, it doesn't look too happy. In that it is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a portion of a news article from the Hour at the time. Quote: We were looking for a place to sit when we saw some people looking at something. Hewitt of Montauk said Wednesday. She and three friends, including Rachel Goldberg, 29, also of Montauk, walked over to see what was going on. We didn't know what it was. She said we joked that maybe it was something from Plum Island. Mm-hmm. So this is a reference to Plum Island, and specifically, she was referring to Plum Island Animal Disease Center, mm-hmm. which first opened in 1954 to research foot and mouth disease in cattle, and which eventually expanded to other stuff. My girlfriend's from Long Island, and we'll see helicopters when we visit her family flying over towards Plum Island, oh, and boy. immediately anyone in the area will be like, oh, I wonder what's going on over there. <laughs> so, yeah, like you, as you point out, they, the foot and mouth disease research has been ongoing, or at least that's what they say. Yes. 
<laughs> any wild animal that's seen on the island is immediately killed in order to prevent the spread of the disease. So they Ooh. just like really yeah careful about that. And so then yeah during the Cold War, some secret biological weapons tests were performed there that targeted livestock. Uh, this is where a lot of the aluminum foil hats start coming into play. But that testing program was stopped under Nixon. So it's been a while since they were doing that. Uh, the facility was run by the Department of Agriculture until 2002, mm-hmm. at which point it was transferred over to the Department of Homeland Security. Great. Uh, since then, there have been security concerns, a silenced whistleblower, and an apparent interest from a suspected Al-Qaeda operative um, who saw that as a possible target. Golly. Um, so this is also to provide context to Hewitt's joke about where the creature came from. An animal disease research facility that has been shrouded in secrecy and rumors for decades. Mm-hmm. So easy to say, oh, it probably came from Plum Island. Yeah. Like this weird looking thing. It didn't take long for East Hampton to start buzzing about the reported find. Quickly, skeptics and believers alike offered up and continue to offer up myriad theories. Mm. We kept hearing it from everywhere, said Brooke Murphy, editor of The Independent and East Hampton newspaper. I pick up the phone and somebody would say, it's a sea turtle without its shell. It's a dog. It's Satan. People can't stop talking about it. <laughs> They just can't stop. <laughs> uh, Larry Penny, the ta- oh, what the fuck was that? That was the last moments of my phone's life. Oh no! <laughs> you okay? I bumped my arm a little bit. Oh, oh no! <laughs> just a little. <laughs> the look in your face suggested mild to non-existent pain. Momentarily, it was the most painful thing I've ever experienced, <laughs> but it quickly passed. Thank God. <laughs> Um, Larry Penny, the town's resource director, said it could be a dog or looking at the picture, we thought it could be a raccoon that was skinned and has its upper jaw missing. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) But William Wise, director of Stony Brook University's Living Marine Resources Institute, after looking at the photo and consulting with a fellow biologist who knows land creatures, Mm. disagrees. He knows what it isn't. Mm -hmm. A raccoon. The legs appear to be too long in proportion to the body. A sea turtle. Sea turtles do not have teeth. A rodent. Rodents have two huge curved incisor teeth in front of their mouths. Not in the front of their mouths, but just hovering in front of their mouths. In front of their mouths, yeah. I also want to point out that everyone's saying it was a sea turtle, because a lot of people were saying that. Uh, A sea turtle without its shell Mm -hmm. seemed to have all attended the Super Mario Brothers school of how turtles work. Yeah, what they're trying to say is an aquatic Koopa. (laughs) Exactly. You jump on them and they shoot out and they're wearing an undershirt and boxers. They're wearing underwear because, Yeah. yeah. That's just be rude place. otherwise yeah yeah now turtles bones are fused to the shell mm-hmm. this is because turtle shells most likely evolved from normal ribs fusing with armor like flesh so it's kind of the rib cage kind of just became the shell to a certain extent like interior exterior sort of combo it's so crazy to think it's about really neat but not all turtles are fully fused this way there's kind of a you know a, a bunch of different variations across the board so mm-hmm. many different types of turtles and stuff some sea turtles do not have their ribs fused to their shell like the leatherback but again, they can't just slip out of the shell like it's an accessory. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the Montauk monster does not look like it's had a major part of its body rendered from its flesh. It's I was going to say, you could re- technically remove the shell from a turtle, but it would not look so clean and contained as that. It, it would, would be look horrifying. pretty, yeah, absolutely mangled. So, Which is also, I think, why in Mario, they just had them pop out. <laughs> yes, instead of just dying unspeakable. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Although if, what if, have I done? If they, if they made it more realistic, you jump on them and they just be like, "Dude, what the fuck!" Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> and just remain as they were. Um, <laughs> anyway, Wise and his biologist friend said that quote, "The general body shape looks like a dog or other canine, but the prominent eye ridge and feet don't match." Mm. He said the feet and face look somewhat ovine. That would be like a sheep, 
but she don't have sharp teeth. Again, this is all just based on those two photos I showed you. Right, right. So it's conclusions. Yeah, you're you have two data points basically, and you're uh-huh. trying to pull out a story. Yes. If you're in these people's shoes, go on. So Wise and his fellow biologist, who knows land creatures, were really adding fuel to the fire that this thing was unlike any specific animal and must therefore be a mutant combination. Wise's best educated guess, quote, a talented someone who got very creative with latex. So he thought huh. it was just he thought it was entirely Straight a fabrication. Up hoax. Yeah. yeah. Which I mean, it would be very creative to come up with that specific uh, kind of look, but um, it's a kind of a funny thing that he would decide, especially after he and his biologist friend, who who knows land creatures, would say, oh, it's not a raccoon, it's not the other things. I think we should consult two more biologists who know land creatures. You and me. What do you think, Wyatt? <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember reading about it as being a dog that had just lost its fur, mm-hmm. and I kind of just took that. Um, at the time, like it was a pug or something like this that had a short snout. Yeah, flatter face thing. It does. But you look at the front it, paws. They yeah, look it's still weird. Could be a bloated like seal or sea otter or something like this. Except that it has hind legs. It does, doesn't it? And it doesn't really have flipper fin type. And it has appendages. some sort of ears, snubby little there ears too. So, but it is definitely some kind of carnivorous animal. Yeah. As far as so I went with small dog back in the day. Yeah. And I, um, I went with raccoon. Sure. And then showing, sure. uh, like, you know, comparing a raccoon skull to that and it's like, oh, look, just the front part broke off. So it looks like a beak. It's clearly been, Damaged. you know, yeah. weathered. Weathered and stuff happened. And it worked out that, yeah, it was a raccoon. Oh, bingo. Like, there yeah, you go. So, like, which, yeah, they're, they're in the same carnivora kind of, they're related to canines and stuff. They're mm-hmm. not too far mm-hmm. off. So it's reasonable they Relatively look pretty speaking. similar. Right. Yeah. I thought that, that was settled almost immediately back then. Like it was just yeah, one of those kinds of right. animals, and that was that. Right. I thought at the time that the Montauk monster was just a curiosity that made it into the news, and then was solved, and then went away all in the span of less than a month. A- as did I, I have to say. I mean, it, I could, uh, and it was nice too because you can totally see how you might come upon that on the beach and just be like, "What the hell am I looking at yeah, here? This is looks, creepy." And it would make local news or whatever, and might get a little bigger for uh, like you know for a week or so. Just right. the news cycle being like, "Oh, here's an interesting thing to talk about." Yeah, <laughs> and then it was gone. I and that's why I thought, "Oh, this would be a cool, you know, stepping off point for all of this kind of stuff, like just different when stuff washes up on the beach or other bodies and things that people think are monsters, and then they disappear, and people are like, why was there no scientific study? Like the uh, the uh, blobs or whatever. Yeah, any of that stuff. Like, Basically, oh, whale carcasses. Like, all these all these creatures are being taken away, and because right. the government doesn't want us to know what they, they are. They don't want us to know. Man. So I thought I was going to dig much deeper into all of that, but then mm. I looked at the Montauk monster itself. I was like, oh shit, there's so much more going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was concluded it was a raccoon. Even our boy Laura, know the other one, Coleman, <laughs> cryptozoologist and conference date changer, was in Camp Raccoon. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, he said, quote, all you had to do was look at it and know a little bit about zoology, and you could see that it was barely second-day disintegration and decaying of a raccoon's body, Coleman said. It's pretty cavalier language coming out of Coleman there. <laughs> he wanted to explain what can happen to a body being tossed around in the surf, and purportedly accounts for why the animal's facial structure appeared distorted as though it had a beak. In short, the normal decomposition process combined with the movement through rough water can cause slippage between the surface skin and the underlying fat. Mm. it's disgusting Coleman said it's disgusting <laughs> uh, but the solution apparently wasn't enough for people and that's why I've given just so much detail to just that today right it's all just based on people thinking that bodies are being taken away and never seen again and something weird's going on right surely surely this isn't just because dead animals are a bad thing to leave lying around on public beaches <laughs> and surely scientists aren't failing to show up and test the animals because they already know what they are and don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> Surely. 
So I do have from um, the website Montauk-Monster.com, mm-hmm. which I had the like a hell of a time getting to the website. Like it was it just timed out, so I had to end up using the Wayback Machine just to find an archived version. Oh, wow! But the most recent archived version was from last week, so it's like huh. an active website. That's weird. But it was just so I, I'll post links to both wow. options. Yeah. So you can try and check it out yourself. There's a lot of pictures. So I'm going to show you some more pictures of just other stuff Ooh. people found and quotes from people who are looking at those pictures. Of the hyphen monster, I take it. The hyphen monster, exactly. So here's Montauk monster, the truth, mm-hmm. the legend, the mystery. <laughs> the pizza. <laughs> I'll get back to this one later because I'm going to talk about it in more detail. But here, maybe I can Ugh. zoom in and see stuff. So here's some. Oh, it's a little more decomposed. A little more decomposed. You see much more skull. Much more skull. But it still looks pretty similar in terms of just the weirdness to it and yeah. the parts the paws look similar it looks like it is crawling up the beach though <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next, the can you imagine if that like, was coming after oh, you god <laughs> i would i would die yeah that would be pretty awful Ugh. mangled flesh and then and totally exposed skull classic with those kinds of teeth have you seen annihilation yet yes yes so now i yeah mm-hmm. exactly that that part it was such a well done horror sequence looking straight into the camera and stuff oh, and i hated it i, hated I actually it. it's there's even more to hate it's great because it's kind of dark so you can't really see what it looks like um but the full <sighs> art design is so cool uh, annihilation bear images the full design of what it looked like it included a human oh, skull oh that side. is cool isn't that awful Ooh, so gross sharing an eye socket <laughs> that is spooky as anything <laughs> oh yeah, my god uh, so terrible speaking of which here's a bear that washed up look at that thing oh yeah it's all yeah it's like partly decomposed it's missing all its fur it's all bloated and mm. looks very strange but it's also a bear it's a bear another just weird blood the image also looks like a rotisserie chicken it kind of does the cross of the frog somehow actually <sighs> did you see um twin peaks the return not yet no okay this looks like a creature that comes up at one point Kind of um, reminds me of a head crab from yeah. Except, <laughs> actually, if you ignore that, there's a head yeah. there that looks just like it could be a head crab from <laughs> Half Life <laughs> and Half Life Two. The one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another head crab, I guess. Oh, there you go. Looks this side. It's actually looks like a cat, maybe. Kind of cat. The front looks a little bit longer and more Chihuahua-ish, almost. I suppose so. So there's much more decomp. Oof. Fully exposed jaw. Yeah, but I see what you're saying. Of, Lots of dead critters. Yeah. And then someone's like, I found in Persepolis an ancient image of the Montauk monster. Okay. And it's, I think, a griffin. So just images of... Yes. Very similar looking kind of thing with a beak attached to an otherwise candid looking creature. Uh Uh-huh. So people are like, oh, so this is a real creature that's been around for a while. And now we're we're finding their bodies. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, Ancient artistic interpretation of what could have been just imagined anything... (laughs) validates our <laughs> speculation exactly so uh, the last thing i'm going to show is uh what i think is actually my favorite one not because of the picture the picture is actually pretty indistinct it's just uh, it's what kind of skin pass it was mm-hmm. just a, it's a pale body it's bloated it's on the side of the beach like all these were <laughs> i like it because of the specific comments underneath it oh boy it's it posted in 2012 um it says on the website quote matt from weathersfield connecticut has written in it wasn't until sometime after I had taken this photo that I realized what it was I had stumbled upon. This photo was taken in April 2009 in Old Lyme, Connecticut. I know the claims are that these things may be raccoons, but this one was enormous. The police had showed up to check out the site, and shortly after, there were men in unusual uniform who came to take the specimen away. Mm-hmm. And people just taking off from there. Uh, so in the comments on this post, Deborah Flores says, I find it more than coincidental that most sightings are in New York. There must be some government hybrid research lab out there. <laughs> I don't trust the government. 
They're going to screw around and will end up with these creatures oh live. Goodness. God save America. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just like this is written specifically under a comment that was it's like, oh, this was in Connecticut. It's like, yeah, they're all in New York. It's like, all right. <laughs> um, Brian Kowalsik had a huge block of text starting with, quote, the beak, teeth, and front legs, arms, uh, on the Montauk monster clearly indicate that it is no raccoon or any other species known to man. And then going on from there, so I just kind of scrolled past it. Mm-hmm. But then I saw that it ended with, they have tons of forgotten biosubstances, and Al-Qaeda has a few hundred soldiers of God there to help with 912. Just some food for thought. Oh, man. So I, got, of course, became very curious and had to figure out how he got from A to B. So I read mm-hmm. the whole post. But I also kind of like to just leave it up to your imagination. <laughs> so I'll, I'll link to it. You can check it out if you want to do, do that. But I think it's more fun to just imagine how he got there. Uh, Willing Buffington writes... It looks like a creature printed on the pyramids. I think it could have been frozen in an iceberg, and with the global meltdown, just maybe it found it is way to shore. <laughs> iceberg, parentheses, lettuce. Yes. And one last one. Tai Wo says, Hello, the Mantok monster is sadly not a natural animal. Judging by my observation, the enigmatic creature is ingeniously fabricated by some sort of secret science organization responsible for genetic mutation, cloning, forging human and animal fetus either by artificial insemination, or general scenario of test tube baby operations. Wow. Here's my suggestion. The Illuminati science... Uh, Illuminati, <laughs> actually. Scien- Illuminati. Illuminati scientific department have succeeded in cajoling, not what that word means, the masses as to think the Mantok monster possesses a natural trend, an entity created by God, while in real sense, it's a successful multi-crossbreed of two or more animals put together. For instance, hmm. notice it is body structure. Having the countenance and chubbiness of a pig, jaw of a flesh-eating canine, feet of probably a giant rodent not to speak of having pig-like pair of ears with funny looking tail to go with it in addition we can see part of worn off fur it is within this hypothesis i say the chupacabra and their most scary goblin-like forms share similar scientific <sighs> history as the mantok monster along with other bizarre creatures which happen to pop up from nowhere but i'll rather not cross the line by putting sasquatch hyphenated sa hyphen squatch uh squatch <laughs> Uh, together with uh, with cousins and nephews like Yeti, Missouri Monster slash Momo, and Mermaid under such scientific origin. Wait a minute. What if crossing the line makes more sense than self-restriction? Oh, my God. What if Sasquatch and Mermaids also have scientific explanation just like our dearest Mantok? What if they, too, are successful crossbreeds? That makes all the reason why they are abnormally rare even though they are not being hunted. And why isn't a single Mantok seen alive? Hmm, that's a food for thought. All I can say about the creature up in the picture is that it's dead and rare, which might, in all cases, dance toward a scientific parentheses Illuminati explanation. Man. Yeah. Thankfully, there were other comments, too, like this one from Alec, who said, Chances are the men with the, u- uh, the unusual uniforms were retrieving that specimen to dispose of it. I mean, I don't know what, about the beaches you go to, but normally when there's a big rotting carcass lying around in a public hangout, such as a beach, people will come to remove that carcass because it's a safety hazard. Nobody's taking this rotting animal to do tests on it because it's just a rotting animal. There you go, Alec. You guys are barking at every car that drives down the road, and it's fucking annoying. <laughs> so thank you. Shut them down. <laughs> thank you, Alec. You are now our official super duper superstitious Montauk Monster field correspondent. <laughs> or, you know, you may as well call him the Mantok Monster <laughs> field <laughs> correspondent. <laughs> uh, even better, Matt, the guy who first wrote in with the photo and caption in this particular instance, said this, quote, I wrote men in unusual uniform to give a little humor to the story. Our friends and I were there when the police came to clean up the raccoon slash whatever it is they were, and they were wearing gloves. I had no idea there were other sightings until I came upon this website a couple years later. Ugh. 
He was conspiracy baiting. He knows it. <laughs> yeah. So in short, he's like, I mean, men in unusual uniforms. Like, guys, I was just goofing around. Guys. I didn't know you people actually were serious. It's like someone who tells a horrible joke, and they're like, guys, I was kidding. Come yeah. on. I think he saw Why it, are you uh, all overreacting? Somehow immediately out of hand it got. It's like, no, ser- no, come on. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. That is more stuff about the Montauk monster than I ever could have imagined there would be. Amazing. Absolutely goes to show that, you know, if something weird happens and people don't get a very elaborate explanation thrown before them and it's just like, oh, yeah, it's something simple. Simple isn't good enough. Even if simple is the actual answer, it's not good enough. It, it goes to show as well just how much, even if they are provided with a clear and elaborate explanation, that people at the end of the day will believe what they want to believe. Yes. <laughs> and what they usually want to believe is that any authority figure telling them something is lying, no matter oh, what they're saying. Absolutely. And, folks, turns out, and this is something that we're all susceptible to, but... The mind wants a thrill, and it will buy the thing that is more exciting, <laughs> yes. even if it's fake as fuck, if it can validate it to itself or legitimize it in some way. Uh-huh. Oh, it's just a raccoon body? Hmm. No. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. What I'll also do, too, I didn't actually think to do this initially, but I will, um, there are some illustrations actually like overlaying, like someone drew a raccoon over the dead body of the Montauk monster, showing like, here's how it would look. Here's the missing in, part. In the field, you mean, of course. Yeah, absolutely. They just drew it directly on the dead body. Chalk drawing. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. So I'll link to that as well. Cool. You can look at it and see for yourself if it looks as convincing as it really ought to. And uh, yeah, so that's... Because, like I said, it could also apply to other bodies washed up that are just decomposing dead whales that look really strange that their bodies slowly collapse. Oh, absolutely. Um, although some of them could also be giant uh, centipede monsters in Eastern Asia. <laughs> oh, yeah. The conrit? Yes. That's what I got this here week. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I enjoy that very much, man. Excellent. Now, before we move on, we do have a special little segment we need to cover. And we do need to. We recently received, I don't know, how would you describe it, Jake? A pretty threatening, a, I mean, pretty a firmly worded, worded email. Yeah, there were no uncertain terms in this email regarding how this should go. From a listener. Now, this listener's name is Colin, and he wanted us to make some cocktails based on some stuff we talked about earlier on the show. Uh, some different creatures we brought up and said should be somehow made into made mixed drinks. drinks. Yeah. And uh, so he gave us some specific cocktail recipes we could use, and so that we need to make them on the show, or he would shut us down using the powers at his disposal. He did use a Z in the word powers for some reason. And in the word nice. disposal, which is kind of strange too. Yeah. But uh, we don't want to take our chances. We are going to make these cocktails. Yeah, I guess uh, we better it. do that now. We'll call this segment the... Yeah, I think this will be a short-lived segment. Yep. <laughs> but we have to do it. We do. And so these cocktails are from episodes of the show. We've brought them up based on cryptids we have talked about. So I guess I'll start out with the Shug Monkey from episode 62. Actually, a couple of these are from episode 62. We do have, of course, the official recipe for each of these drinks. And then Colin provided his own versions too. So we'll give you both of those. Right. Whenever we can, we'll try and drink the official version. So this is how you make a Shug Monkey. Mm Mm-hmm. Two ounces of gin, ideally Uncle Val's, but Hendrix will do in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Uh, two ounces of Purina Pro Plan, adult large breed beef and rice entree. <laughs> uh, half an ounce of simple syrup, quarter ounce of complex syrup, a dash of black market ivory powdered. The drink is simultaneously shaken and stirred, served up in a coupe glass, garnished with one whole blackened banana peel. Oh, God. So I have that here. 
Okay. And, uh, oh, all right. Let's um. God. Let's give it a try. You just gotta just just move the peel out of the way, and then you can get in there. Don't bite it. <laughs> move it however you need to. Oh man. All right, and. Uh, That's a good chug, monkey. You look stronger. I feel like this drink does capture the full essence of what a chug monkey is, which is simultaneously a large black dog, but also somehow a monkey and possibly a rhinoceros. I feel like you can't drink this drink in good conscience because of the ivory tusk. If you want to make a cruelty-free chug monkey, Colin's variation is three ounces of creme de banana, one ounce of Kahlua, and one ounce of Rumpel Mints. Add to a short tumbler and fill the rest of the glass with Sprite, chunky peanut butter rimmed glass for garnish. So, you know, that sounds really good. And I think that everyone should try that. And if they liked it, they can write to Colin <laughs> and tell him how good he did. <laughs> yes. So, should I describe the grunch? The grunch. Uh, according to my sources, a classic grunch is simply one ounce of gin, one ounce of rum, one tablespoon of unsalted nuts, three shakes of Campari, and three ounces of hypnotic, <laughs> which is that weird blue fucking liqueur. Oh, right. That isn't blue curacao, but is close enough. But is also gross. Yes. They are good, I guess. And... So you're serving it on, on the rocks, so... Uh, I, I chose to serve it on the rocks. Oh, I, I excuse me. This is typically served in one of those big beer glasses shaped like a boot. Okay. <laughs> That's boot. <laughs> and it should fill only barely the very bottom. Okay. This is just the sole of the boot. Here we go. Let's try it. Oh, it's so good. I it's really I, good. I gotta try some of that. That sounds really good. That is really good. I really enjoyed that. As good as this is, if you want an even better version of the Grunch, also, by the way, the, the recipe ingredients spell Grunch, you'll need to use Colin's version, which is two ounces of Goldschlager, two ounces of Jägermeister, one ounce blue Curacao, add all of that to a short tumbler and fill the rest with root beer because you're eight years old, and add a dash of black pepper. The other Grunch. Mm-hmm. Now, last and most important, probably, uh, the Irish Crocodile. Mm-hmm. This first came up in episode 37, in which you challenged me to invent this drink on the spot. Mm-hmm. So, naturally, the proper version is, of course, two ounces of Jameson, two ounces of Lagavulin, a float of Baileys, and a bunch of shards of broken glass and metal hidden underneath. Essentially because it was a drink that should kill you. Yeah, it was supposed to act like a crocodile. It was hiding under the surface yes. and uh, had teeth to it. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> In this instance, for our own safety, we will not be staying true to the original, but will instead follow Colin's excellent advice. His take on an Irish crocodile is two ounces of whiskey, two ounces of strawberry Irish cream, add to a short tumbler, fill the rest of the way with Old English, garnish with crushed rock candy. I'm starting to wonder if Colin doesn't like us. (laughs) So here it is. Naturally, the Irish cream floated very successfully. It did not fall and sink inside and curl instantly that didn't happen at all uh no. it's a beautiful looking drink the curdled foam on top is something else that's just unrelated yeah <laughs> um i guess i'll go first <sighs> why it was a pleasure podcasting yeah with you, you do this first i'll sit over here and call the doctor oh god <laughs> that foam is really good uh really easy to get through i will say you're gonna be okay Oh, uh, man. It's really, really not that bad. Oh, this doesn't look good. 
The foam sucks to deal with. It looks like sea foam. I, I touched it to my mouth. You drank half the glass. Why? I can't believe you pounded it so fast. Nothing but a touch. <laughs> uh, yeah. That Surprisingly, is... still gross. <laughs> the curdle, <laughs> the curdle cream is disgusting, and <laughs> rock candy is just Dumb. an abominable suggestion. And however, I will say, rock candy was suggested by me as an alternative to broken glass. <laughs> That is true. That is much better than broken glass. And the drink itself is gross. <laughs> and we drank it, and we're going to try a little more without the foam in the way. The broken up foam slithers into your mouth, regardless of whether you try or not. It's, um, oh. that's something. Oh. So, that has been the... That was... Fun, and I'm glad that we did it, Colin. Very glad, very happy with myself and my choices we and my digestion. We hope that you are glad and that we will continue to be able to do the show. Yeah, Is that fair to say? I think that would be cool, right? I know we're still just recording the episode, but I have just received an email oh, from boy. Colin. Oh, Saying that he's very happy with the episode. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that he's very happy with the episode. Even though it is unedited and not yet released to the public. <laughs> but it's good that he's happy with the episode. Indeed. <laughs> and he says that he's our biggest fan now? That's so cool. Oh, man. Maybe he'll donate to our Patreon. I wonder if he won't join the Patreon now that we have done this segment that he specifically demanded we do. <laughs> So, on this day of conspiracy theories, I figured we could all benefit from hearing about the sort of godfather of conspiracy theories. Mm. This is a man whose life, it could be argued, is itself one long-ass conspiracy theory <laughs> in a way. I am, of course, referring to one of the UK's spicier, kookier exports, <laughs> David Vaughn, everything's normal, psych, <laughs> Ike. <laughs> From what I can tell, David Icke exists because, basically, Zeus assumed the form of a greasy white mullet so that he could impregnate the human equivalent of an ominous top-secret portfolio. <laughs> the man is a professional conspiracy theorist. Oh, wow. He gets paid is, for this. Yes. He earns a living for having a lot of great wrong ideas about how the world works. Wow. And it's this worldview that I figured could be fun to take a tour through today. Absolutely. So first, a little bit about the man himself. Uh, essentially, David is a high-functioning, commercially successful Joanna. Okay. You'll recall Joanna from... Episode 19. Indeed. Uh, this is the Ley Lines special Super Duper report, or uh, Crystals and all that Super kind of Duper stuff. Super Duper special report, uh, second one of those, uh, Ley Lines and Crystals and Energy, oh my. Indeed. So we it kind was, of went oh, over... Super, supernatural, part right, one. Right, right. Ley Lines <laughs> and Crystals and Energy. Uh, Joanna was a... Very affable gal living in Australia who was quite convinced that she was being visited by extraterrestrials and charging crystals and doing all sorts of stuff, interacting with Different upper dimensional beings. From Ashtar Command and all that Indeed. jazz. And uh, yeah, totally harmless, very harmless, much lovable person. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, there was, you know, yeah. David is, if you do that, make money. Um, he grew up pretty much impoverished. Quote, to say we were skint, he wrote in 1993, is like saying it is a little chilly at the North Pole. 
As a child, when a local official came to collect the rent, Ike would have to hide under a window or a chair. After knocking, the man would prowl around the house, peering through windows to see if he couldn't glimpse an occupant inside to sort of like stick it to them and try to get the money. Mm. His mother never explained that it was about the rent. She just told Ike to hide from this man. Oh my God. So obviously this is germane to any child's healthy development and certainly wouldn't scar anyone <laughs> and leave them paranoid about the outside world. Yep. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, it also certainly did not contribute to Ike writing in 2003 that he still gets a fright when someone knocks on the door. So anyway, Ike would later play football. Not American pigskin toss, but nice English orb kick. He played as a goalie, which he later wrote suited the loner in him and gave him a sense of living on the edge between hero and villain. <laughs> but I mean, let's be real. If he lives long enough, he's going to find out he's only one of those two things. I think. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, he got hella bad arthritis. And that was that for football. Uh, he worked for a time as a journalist and news broadcaster, but fell out of love with the profession around the same time that the BBC fell out of love with him. And it was the arthritis, naturally, that led Ike to play with alternative medicines and new age philosophies in the mm. 80s. In early 1990, he wound up in touch with a psychic healer in Brighton, Betty Shine, who, as I'm sure you and our audience already knows or has guessed, told Ike she had a message from Wang Yi Lee from the spirit world stating that Ike had been sent to heal the earth and would become famous in the face of opposition. Naturally. Ike would have many more prophetic experiences, finally crossing a critical threshold into his so-called turquoise period. It was like Picasso's uh, famous period, except a little bit more green. Yes, indeed. Um, he basically entered a kind of pupa <laughs> made of turquoise clothing. Oh, there you go. Um, inside of which, through the power of automatic writing about himself as the godchild, basically, the son of a godhead, <laughs> he was able to dissolve and rearrange the <laughs> organs of his mind. God. Um, so when he was done with that, he emerged in the mid-90s as a kind of rebellious, paranoid uber-Joanna. Mm -hmm. And the rest, as they say, is conspiracy. <laughs> so weirdly as hell enough, as I was preparing the segment, it was literally six and a half hours before Ike's life story movie, Renegade was set to be released, which oh my is God. just very weird. I went to visit his site, just sort of like, let's just see what the fuck this guy's up to. And he was like, Why? You're just in time. <laughs> <laughs> you can download a copy of my movie now for only $5,000. <laughs> I'm trying to sell either one or 50 of these, depending on how much people will pay for them. <laughs> but yes, anyway, without further ado, we can get into some of Ike's views. Absolutely. Oh, boy. So the background to it all is that Ike holds that the universe is made up of vibrational energy and consists of an infinite number of dimensions that share the same space, just like television and radio frequencies, and that some people can tune their consciousness to other wavelengths. Ike stated in an interview with The Guardian that our five senses can access only a tiny frequency range, like a radio tuned to one station. In the space you are occupying now are all the radio and television stations broadcasting to your area, you can't see them, and they can't see each other because they are on different wavelengths. But move your radio dial, and suddenly there they are, one after the other. It is the same with the reality we experience here as life. What we call the world and the universe is only one frequency range in an infinite number sharing the same space. So basically Ike believes that time is an illusion, there is no past or future. It's not a flat circle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
and only the infinite now is real, and that humans are an aspect of consciousness or infinite awareness, which he describes as all that there is, has been, and ever will be. So it's kind of um, an alluring view, perhaps, uh, in that it's proposing as objective fact a much more spiritual view on reality and existence. Okay. And the varying wavelengths kind of concept puts the onus on the individual to sort of tune in, I think. Right. So he's sort of setting a challenge there for someone to subscribe to his worldview. Is there a subscription fee? Yeah. (laughs) $5,000. And yeah, in that way, I think it's kind of a nice invitation to participate in his being the voice of conspiracy, essentially. Yeah. But again, I mean, obviously it hinges on whether you go for that or not, but right, I can right. see people buying that. Basically. Absolutely. So if you buy this, you are likely to take more of what Ike is selling and his biggest sale being one, which I'm sure we're all familiar with and already subscribed to. But for those of you who aren't part of the 12 million Americans for fucking percent <laughs> of all Americans oh. yet illuminati, excuse me, illuminated. Here's David Icke again, via paraphrasing, on how the world is actually working right now. Oh boy. What the people of the world need to realize is that an interdimensional race of reptilian beings called the Archons have hijacked the Earth and are stopping humanity from realizing its true potential. They are, you may be surprised to learn, the same beings as the Anunnaki, deities from the Babylonian creation myth, the Enuma Elish, and the fallen angels or watchers who mated with human women in the biblical apocrypha. Now, a genetically modified human archon hybrid race of shape-shifting reptilians, (laughs) known as the Babylonian Brotherhood, or the Illuminati, manipulate global events to keep humans in constant fear, allowing the archons to feed off the negative energy this creates. So perhaps not so hard to buy in these intensely bananas times, am I right? (laughs) I mean, yeah. Why not? Sure. What do you think so far, Jake? I think this sounds like a very, uh, I believe it all. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I'm pretty much ready to overthrow oppressors of the people regardless of whether they're human or reptilian. Yes. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> when you get back into the ancient world, you find this recurring theme of a union between a non-human race and humans creating a hybrid race. From 1998, I started coming across people who told me they had seen people change into a non-human form. It's an age-old phenomenon known as (laughs) shape-shifting. The basic form is like a scaly humanoid with reptilian rather than humanoid eyes. The Brotherhood, which controls the world today, is the modern expression of the Babylonian Brotherhood of reptile Aryan priests and royalty. These reptilians come from not only another planet, but another dimension, the lower level of the fourth dimension to be exact, the lower astral dimension, the one nearest the physical world. But one dimension shy of Jeff the Mongoose. (laughs) Wait, what was his? He was the fifth dimension. He was the eighth wonder of the world. That's right. (laughs) From this dimension, they control the planet. Although, just as fourth dimensional reptilians control us, they are in turn controlled by a fifth dimension. Oh. So I guess Jeff. Yes. So a quick note here. As of 2003, the reptilian bloodline included 43 American presidents, Jesus. three British and two Canadian prime ministers, several Sumerian kings and Egyptian pharaohs, 
and a smattering of celebrities. Pretty much pick anyone in a position of geopolitical power, in other words. What year did you say? Uh, 2003. Okay, so every U.S. president. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, key bloodlines include the Rockefellers, of course, the Rothschilds, of course, various European aristocratic families, the establishment families of the eastern United States, and the British House of Windsor. Ike even offered to Andrew Neil of the BBC in May 2016 that he believes the British royal family are themselves shape-shifting lizards. Why not? He identified the Queen Mother in 2001 as, quote, seriously reptilian, unquote, <laughs> and said so she is reptilian. seriously reptilian, <laughs> um, and said that he had seen British Prime Minister Ted Heath's eyes turn black while the two waited for a Sky News interview in 1989, which is notably prior to his turquoise period <laughs> so <laughs> ostensibly before he went like this <laughs> to continue mm. at the apex of the babylonian brotherhood stand the global elite and at the top even of this group are what we might call the prison wardens mm. the brotherhood's goal their great work of ages is a microchipped population a world government and a global orwellian fascist state a new world order, which will be a post-truth era where freedom of speech is ended. As the Brotherhood use human anxiety and negativity as energy, the Archons keep humanity trapped in a five-sense reality, stunting humanity's spiritual growth so that they can feed off the negative energy created by fear and hate. Annoyingly, this is pretty much exactly what feels like is happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Brotherhood either created or controls the United Nations, International Monetary Fund, Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute of International Affairs, Trilateral Commission of and Bilderberg Group, as well as the media, military, CIA, MI6, Mossad, science, religion, and the internet. Oh, wow. They're clever. They're busy. Pretty much anything <laughs> that has disseminating power. They're very clever in their systems of manipulation, which is overwhelmingly psychological manipulation. Because if you can manipulate perceptions to believe that Osama bin Laden was behind 9-11, then you'll get support to invade Afghanistan. I think he's ignoring the part where we invaded Iraq, which had nothing to do with that. Yep. <laughs> That'd be a much easier one to say, hey, that was a problem. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Um, Ike uses the phrase problem-reaction-solution to explain how he believes the Illuminati agenda advances. So... Basically, the Illuminati guide us in the direction they desire by creating false problems, which allows them to give their desired solution to the problem that they created. So it's essentially false flag operations forever, mm. um, just gaslighting the planet into the darkest dark age ever. Just a few examples of the Illuminati's big successful plays include the Oklahoma City bombing, mm. essentially all mass school shootings, including Dunblane and Columbine, 9-11, mm. which of course was an inside job. <laughs> the 7-7 London bombings, uh, July 7th from, I think, 2012. Mm -hmm. uh, chemtrails, water fluoridation, and the death of Princess Diana, and, of course, the assassination of your boy JFK. All this. My boy JFK. Yes, specifically. <laughs> no one else really likes him, Jake. I don't know why you're so into I don't know. Uh, oh, and Jared from the Subway franchise. Just kidding. My boy JFK. He's in the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did you say Jared from Subway? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of missed that. The people of our planet can currently be sorted into three major groups. The Brotherhood. Gryffindor, Hufflepuff. And uh, other. <laughs> other. 
The Brotherhood themselves are in interactive software programs, the Red Dresses. They lack mm -hmm. consciousness and free will, and their human bodies are holographic veils. They are the mask in front of the face of the reptilians, the mouthpiece through which they speak. Mm -hmm. A second group, the, just coining a term here, sheeple, <laughs> the vast majority of humanity are conscious, but do as they are told and are the Brotherhood's main energy source. They include the repeaters, people in positions of influence who repeat what others have told them, such as doctors, teachers, journalists, and others of this ilk. Sorry, Jake, we're, we're repeaters, I guess. I guess so. The third and smallest group are those who see through the illusion. Ah. They are usually dubbed dangerous or mad. The red dress genetic lines interbreed obsessively to make sure their bloodlines are not weakened by the second or third levels of consciousness because consciousness can rewrite the software. Oh no. This is all reminding me of something, but I cannot put my finger on it right now. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some kind of I may, anything that might... I may just try to read a little more of what he has to sure, say. Sure, okay. The Earth and collective human mind are manipulated from Saturn via the Moon, a spacecraft and interdimensional portal the reptilians control. Oh, wow. This Saturn Moon Matrix, the Matrix. Ah, uh, that's what I. That's yeah, what go. it was. Never think about that movie. That's crazy, right? <laughs> Man. Anyway. The Saturn Moon Matrix originates somewhere within the hexagonal storm on Saturn, broadcast across the solar system via Saturn's rings, which were artificially created by the reptilian spacecraft. They are received by the moon spacecraft where they are amplified and directed to the human body computer, specifically to the left hemisphere of the brain, which gives us our sense of reality. We are living in a dream world within a dream world, a matrix within the virtual reality universe, <laughs> and it is being broadcast from the moon. <laughs> Unless people force themselves to become fully conscious, their minds are the moon's mind. 12 million people in North America people. believe this. The end. <laughs> well, that is uh, a lot to take in. Perfect for our 69th episode. <laughs> yup. Yeah, so anyway, that's David Icke's stuff. He's a good boy. <laughs> he suggests that the... Ironically, in the face of all that, his essential message is quite nice which is to say he sees all of this threatening world that he's built as something that can be defeated through the power of peaceful but staunch uh passive resistance basically uh non-compliance with work so a big strike essentially okay. to stop the oppressive powers and he is a major proponent of basically the power of love Cool. And humanity. So, you know, it's funny how when it, when the rubber hits the road with his logic, it's not that bad. It's just he's contextualizing it in this ridiculous way <laughs> um, where if he could just say, like, hey, guys, just be nice and don't do what the government tells you all the time. Like, we, yeah. can, we can make our own rules sometimes if things are getting too oppressive. Cool. I like that. Yes. Doesn't have to be... All the other stuff. <laughs> all the other stuff, man. Uh, and his stuff seems to get crazier with time. This, this whole Saturn moon matrix mm. actually evolved out of... Originally, it was just a moon matrix. Okay. And he added Saturn pretty recently into Why the not? mix. Because, yeah. And so how does he get money from doing all this stuff? He gives a lot of talks that people pay to see. Ah. 
and he does like guest appearances uh, in shows. So people uh, are willing. It's not that he's he's written a ton of books. Okay, so it's not that he's necessarily conning people out of their money. People just are consciously paying him to do. I mean, it's still I don't know. Yeah, he he is a provider of alternative reality fuel essentially for folks who want to go down that road yeah and uh pay a fee to learn the truth about that other reality but be aware it is a story yes (laughs) (laughs) and how yeah anyway well that was a fun trip down the uh down the conspiracy rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we took both those two different colored pills you gave me before we started. I feel like that helped. <laughs> yeah, I feel exactly the same as before. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, if you join us next week, I believe next week we are jumping into another, another super, super superstitious special, special report. report. <laughs> and this time we're talking about the 411 disappearances, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. So we'll do, if you haven't caught one of these before, our different special reports are, see if I can remember these. Episodes 13 and 14. Yep. Episodes 19 and 20. Yep. Episodes 49 and 50? I think so. In which we discuss, respectively, UFOs, uh, supernatural phenomena such as crystals, ley lines, and the rest. And another thing. There was more than that. Cause we did, yeah, uh, I thought there was belief, four of them. There was four. Gullibility, which we... Uh, <laughs> may have been 39 and 40. That could be it. When we talked about belief in stuff in spite of all the evidence to the contrary. Right. And then finally we did the um, pseudoscience one. Right. I think that was the most recent one. That was the most recent one. Um, but yeah, basically, Jake and I will do an episode where we present the paranormal or supernatural phenomena we basically describe and sort of really give room and air to a thing and we give examples of that thing so the first half is more like a normal episode of the show we each just tell a story or something about the particular topic at hand and then the second part the second episode which follows the very next week we give a more scientific breakdown on just the facts please basically we yes we will disassemble that phenomenon hopefully without stomping on it but wanting to sort of show the even cooler science that may be going on unseen yeah so if this is your first time at the show you get to check that out next week or if between now and then you want to check out the previous ones you can do that too pretty fun well, turns out turns out that is true um, and as ever, uh, please do, if you've enjoyed the episode, uh, give us a like on iTunes, uh, reach out through contact at superduperstitious.com. And if you're feeling real uh, generous and want to help support the show, Patreon, jump over to our Patreon slash uh, superduperstitious. And uh, there's a lot of perks and fun shit that you can get back for your support. And we would love you forever. Absolutely. So thanks so much for checking us out this week. Hope to see you next week. And uh, get the fuck out of here. Bye. Bye. Bye.